Let's open our Bibles to Leviticus chapter 10. I've always said that you need to read Leviticus and the book of Hebrews together because you see uh, Hebrews talks about um, Christ is greater than Moses, greater than the angels. He's, he's just the best. And one of the reasons why he is the best is because we see this system of sacrifices that's laid out for us in Leviticus and how you had to do everything just right. It had to be just right. You had to cut it this way. You had to burn it this way. You had to boil it this way. And if you didn't do it that way, what happened? It was just no good. Okay, It was bad. And one of those things we're going to see about being bad is that's how we're going to see it today. And that's why we understand that Jesus is so good. His grace is so wonderful because we just couldn't keep the law. I mean, and the law didn't work perfectly, and God had designed it that way. So that when the perfect came, when Jesus Christ came to shed his blood for us, we would see that that is the final sacrifice. That is the ultimate mercy and grace of our Heavenly Father. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, come upon us today with your Holy Spirit, we pray, that you would open our eyes to this wonderful grace that you've given us, that we would understand as much as possible your holiness and how that causes us to live in this world, in our neighborhood, in our houses, in our hearts. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to read Leviticus in, in just a moment. Um, you know, uh, fast food. How many of us are fast food eaters? Uh, I, I eat less and less of it as time goes on. I can remember um, there was a time when I first got out of college and I had this, this Ford Fiesta. Okay, and, and it, that was just it was my first car that I had bought and and I just beat the stuffing out of that car. Uh, but one of the cool things was, at that time in my life, and, and it's the, the, the uh, you can't prosecute me for this. What's that called? Statute of limitations has expired. I used to be able to go to McDonald's and get two Big Macs, a fries, and a large Coke. And the Fiesta was a four-speed. And I could drive around the town of Washington and consume both Big Macs and the fries and the Coke and shift the car and drive through traffic. I guess that was my spiritual gift, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> but, but that was McDonald's. Now, McDonald's was the king of burgers for so long, the king of fast food, because they made everything how? You know, quick and fast, and every burger came out with the same number of chopped onions and the same amount of ketchup and the same cheese, and it was all the same, and they could make it fast, and everybody thought, this is great, and they loved it. And then along comes Burger King, who says what? Have it your way. And this was like a revelation to us. I can have fast food the way I want it, and, and I'm not an onion lover on my burgers, okay? Now, I know there are people who love just a big, fat slice of onion, i just rather have a burger with no onion. So I'd go to Burger King, and, and I want to have it my way. So I say, let me have a Whopper with no onions. And I would get it that way. 
And it was just fabulous. You know, I didn't have to go and take the bun off and scrape all the onion off. I could eat it just the way I wanted it and the way that I ordered it. Okay, and this, this, was, this was a great thing. And the lack of onions didn't measurably slow down the receiving of my burger. Okay, because remember, uh, they were running it through the grill with the flames. It wasn't on the big metal griddle, and, and so you were getting it your way. Well, uh, my way. That's how much we, we, we want so many things in our society, my way. And society seems to be catering to it. I mean, I can remember the day when my dad would go down to the Ford dealer and he would order a car. How many of you have ordered a car? Uh, a couple, Okay. Um, he'd go down, and here was the list, um, a big, long list, and he would go through the options that he wanted, the color that he wanted, and then give it to the guy, and, and three or four weeks later, um, the car would come. Can you still order a car, Trey, today? Okay, to my to, uh, specification, that's, that's great. And, 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 and then one day, we didn't order cars anymore. I, I don't know what happened there, but it would arrive just the way that he wanted it. Now, why can't everything in life be my way? A ver- I mean, there's a veritable smorgasbord of life out there that we can pick and choose from. Okay, options, I want this, I don't want that. If I see it displayed and it's not quite the way I want it, then what do you do? You, you, you order it the way you want it. I had a friend who, he went to a restaurant and, and uh, he ordered cheese fries. And he said, now I don't want the yellow cheese, I want the white cheese. And, and the, the waiter goes, well, we don't, we don't have white cheese. And he says, oh, I've had it before, go back and check. And, and he said, no, sir, we, we just have the, the cheddar, the, the yellow cheddar cheese. He says, no, I want the white cheese. Well, he wasn't going to get it his way because he, you know, just didn't. They didn't have. Must have been a special dispensation or something. He got white cheese on his fries, but he wanted fries with white cheese. But he just was not going to get it. Well, there's so many areas in, in life today where we want things. I mean, we, we we're facing this. Some you can't even choose your own doctor in some places. In some housing plans, you can't plant the bushes that you want because it doesn't fit with the the um, covenant or whatever you got. You can't do the renovations to the house that you want. It's your house, it's your property, but you can't do it because it, it, it's not allowed within that community or whatever. So in so many areas of our lives, if I can't do it or have it the way I want it, then I, I'm free to pick up and go someplace else, aren't I? If I can't plant the bushes in my community, in my house, in my community that I want, what should I do? I should move and go out and do it where I want to. It's even like that in churches. Let's, let's face it. It's like that in churches. There's so many churches, so many things to pick from. I don't like the style of music. I don't like the, the length of the, the sermon, as if that is ever a problem. Okay? Um, uh, if you don't like that, then you just go down the road because there's another one right down the road. Okay? In our world, in our faith, believers do have a certain amount of freedom. But it only extends so far. What is our freedom limited by? By the God we worship. Okay? He has set down parameters. You live within these parameters. And if you go outside those parameters, you're on your own. Okay? There are consequences to go outside those parameters. It's, it's like, you know, you're driving up, up the... Uh, the road to the Continental Divide in Colorado, you get off the interstate and you go up a road that goes this way and then this way and then this way. And what, what is alongside the road? 
just the little bitty guardrail. And if my 4,000-pound car and I decide that I want to go over the guardrail, what do I do? Drive right over it. But what's on the other side of the guardrail? Now, I'm free to drive through the guardrail if I want. It's just there to help me, keep me on track. But there are consequences to going off the road. There are consequences to going outside the parameters that God has set for us. Now, and in both the Old and the New Testament, the holiness of God demands certain responses from those who claim to believe him and to worship him. There's no other way to say it. And it is the holiness of God that demands these things. Now we come to Leviticus chapter 10. Uh, I won't ask you to to stand this morning. I'm just going to read it um, and, and we'll deal with this. Chapter 10 verses 1, 2, and 3 and, and later we'll go into a couple other spots in Leviticus. Now, Abadab, Ab, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> now, Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took their respective fire pans, and after putting fire in them, placed incense on it, and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. And fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed them, and they died before the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, It is what the Lord spoke, saying, By those who come near me I will be treated as holy, and before all the people I will be honored. I will be honored. So our passage this morning is pretty straightforward and easy. Two sons of Aaron offer strange fire to the Lord, and he kills them because of it. Aren't you really glad for Jesus Christ now? That, that his grace is sufficient to cover our sins because they did not do it the way the Lord had commanded. And what happened to them? They were done. That quickly. That quickly. Now, our first response to this might be, well, isn't fire fire? And the answer would be no. Fire is not simply fire. To grasp the significance of what this means, we have to go back to Exodus chapter 30. So turn back with me to Exodus chapter 30. Exodus 30 is set in the midst of a rather exhaustive and long and detailed, right down to the very minutia of everything, way of how the Lord wants things done. And they have to be carried out in a very specific way, And we say, why? And it's just like when your little child said, why do I have to do this, Dad? You said, because I said so. And and, and the reason is God says so, and the reason behind that is because God is holy. And his holiness demands things be done in a certain way. In a certain way. So uh, Exodus chapter 30, verse 1. Moreover, you shall make an altar as a place for burning incense. You shall make it of acacia wood. Its length shall be a cubit, and its width a cubit. It shall be square, and its height shall be two cubits. Its horns shall be of one piece with it. And you shall overlay it with pure gold, its top and its sides all around, and its horns, and you shall make a gold molding all around it. And you shall make two gold rings for it under its molding. You shall make them on its two side walls, on opposite sides, and they shall be holders for poles with which to carry it. And you shall make the poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold. 
And you shall put this altar in front of the veil that is near the ark of the testimony, in front of the mercy seat that is over the ark of the testimony, where I will meet with you. And Aaron shall burn fragrant incense on it. He shall burn it every morning when he trims the lamps. And when Aaron trims the lamps at twilight, he shall burn incense. There shall be perpetual incense before the Lord throughout your generations. You shall not offer any strange incense on this altar or burnt offerings or meal offering, and you shall not pour out a libation on it. And Aaron shall make atonement on its horns once a year. He shall make atonement on it with the blood of the sin offering of atonement once a year throughout your generations. It is most holy to the Lord. Now, try to build one of those in your backyard. Okay? Very complex but very specific instructions. The material, what you are to overlay it with, how big it is to be, all of these things are laid out for us. And, and we don't need to get caught up in all the intricacies of all this. We'll, we'll see in just a moment uh, the significance of it. Um, but there is a very logical and particular reason why the Lord does it in these ways. I'll just remember just to highlight some things. The altar of incense is different from the altar of sacrifice. If the Holy of Holies is over here, the altar of sacrifice is out here in the courtyard. It's where the animals would be. Uh, there's blood around it. And as you get closer to the Holy of Holies, you get um, progressively more expensive materials. That's why this one is overlaid with gold. The closer you get to the God, uh, the more precious things become. And there is nothing on this altar to be offered except incense. Nothing. And it is to be day and night. And, and we see in many places in Scripture it talks about being a fragrant aroma in the nostrils of God. So not only is the incense this fragrant aroma in the nostrils of God, we find in the New Testament that, that the prayers of the saints are. Okay? Now that these, they, they rise up to the Lord. And so we see in the Old Testament very early here in Exodus that these things are foreshadowing what is to come next. It is a type of prayer, uh, the incense, and, and we see it fulfilled in the things of Christ. So there are very specific instructions dealing with the altar, and they speak to the holiness of God. They speak to the holiness of God and his pleasure in the sacrifices of his people. Not only just the animal sacrifices, the meal, and, and the sacrifices, the grain sacrifices, all those, but this offer of incense before the Lord. And of course that incense, as I said, speaks to the, the prayers and, and the priest would offer prayers and they would be the mediator between the people and the Heavenly Father. Remember the Heavenly Father deals there on the mercy seat. His, his glory d dwells there at this point and, and the prayers of the priest, in a sense the, the people pray, the priests pray, they are the intermediary in immediate, they, I have a terrible time with language today. They are the intercessors, okay, for the people to God. Does that ring any bells for what might be in the New Testament? Christ is our mediator. He is our intercessor. The Holy Spirit prays for us. He speaks for us. When we have no words, we just cry out to the Spirit. And he, in a sense, fills in those words of the desires of our heart and the things of the Lord. So let's look just briefly here. As I said, the closer you got to the Holy of Holies, the more precious the material comes. 
Now, incense is a common use, is, is commonly used in the Old Testament. It is seen much in religion in the Middle East in general. In today's world, we see incense used in um, a lot of Orthodox churches, Eastern Orthodox, Greek, Russian Orthodox. Some Roman churches use it at different times, even some Anglican churches. Um, we, uh, who don't use it, affectionately call it bells and smells. Okay? But those bells and smells in worship point to the holiness of God. They are not just ritual and tradition. If you look seriously about those things, you understand that they are pointing to the holiness of God. Uh, we have kind of um, sanitized worship uh, when it comes to those things. Has, has there ever been incense in the sanctuary? Here? Anybody know? Probably give me a migraine if, if, I had, if we did, so we probably won't have it, okay? But it is those things that point us to the Lord, those things that remind us of his holiness, those things that remind us of the prayers of the saints, okay? Now, look at verse 9 in chapter 30. You shall not offer any strange incense on this altar or burnt offering or meal offering. You shall not pour out a libation on it. Very specific type of incense could be offered on that altar. Flip over to verse 22 of chapter 30. Now I'm not going to read everything. It goes all the way. The description of the incense, the description of of the oil of anointing goes all the way to the end of the chapter through verse 38. From 22 through 38, you get the recipe for the incense that the Lord wants you to use. Now, I, we've been, uh, been in Huntsville almost 13 years, and for 13 years I have been in my kitchen attempting to create tender sauce. Okay? Now, I go to tenders and get the chicken just so it holds the sauce. Okay, there's something about that sauce. If I could take it intravenously, you know, I might do that. Well, and, and every once in a while, I'll make a batch, and the girls will go, oh, Dad, that's pretty close. You know, but it's never perfect. Why isn't it perfect? Because I don't have that recipe, okay? Uh, it looks the same. It's got, you know, uh, there's just something missing. I, I don't know. It's love or something. I, don't, I can't do it. But I don't have the recipe. So, but it's good enough for who it's for, okay? It's for my household. It's good enough, okay? God says, this is the recipe for the incense you will burn to me. It is a reflection of the prayers of intercession. It should be a fragrant offering in my nostrils. It is a, a reflection of my holiness. So the recipe has to be what? It has to be perfect. It has to be right, and it has to be the one that God gives him. So I'll just read a little bit. This, um, uh, this, this begins with the anointing oil, verse 23. Take also for yourself the finest of spices, of flowering myrrh, 500 shekels, of fragrant cinnamon, half as much, 250, and of fragrant cane, 250, and of cassia, 500, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, and of olive oil, a hen. And you shall make these a holy anointing oil, a perfume mixture, a worker of perfume, it shall be for a holy anointing oil. And then at the end of the chapter, you get the incense recipe. Okay? If the Lord gives you a recipe, it's probably the best recipe. Okay? But that's not the way that we always work, is it? Okay? 
Oh, yeah, I know the Lord says, if, if I do this, and I, if I do that, and if I'm faithful here, then this, this will be the outcome. It says in Second Chronicles, if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray that I will heal their land. Was that too much to ask for the people of Israel? Humble themselves and pray, and what will God do? My goodness, he'll heal their land. He'll come and care for them and minister to them. They didn't always do that. It is not a suggestion to do it this way. It is a command to do it this way. Now, back to Leviticus. Chapter 10. Now, I remind you that pretty much throughout history, there is a common thread of... uh, Almost everything that that humans are involved with eventually becomes corrupt. I mean, it's our nature. Our nature is sinful. Almost everything we touch becomes corrupt. We see it, Adam, Noah, Israel, David, Solomon, the early church, the latter church. I mean, the list goes on and on. It just is our nature. When, okay, well, I don't go to church because it's full of hypocrites. Well, yes, it is full of hypocrites, okay? Anybody who's not a hypocrite? Because if you put your hand up, you'd be a liar, too, okay? Um, so the perfect church, will you have to be what to get to the perfect church? Dead, okay? So let's just face it. We are imperfect, and, and we always have to be on guard for whatever we touch and involve ourselves with, that we don't corrupt it, that we remain faithful to what the Lord says and, and do as he commands us to do, Okay? Uh, we will mess it up. In Leviticus 10, you have a simple operation. Take the incense and the fire that the Lord gives us and his recipe and offer it to the Lord. Well, Nadab and Abihu just say, you know what? I got my own recipe. And, and they think in their minds, what? It'll be good enough for who it's for. No. If it's going to be for the Lord, it has to be perfect. It has to be perfect. Look back in chapter 9 at just a couple of verses. Look at verse 10. This is chapter 9, Leviticus was so good, and all of a sudden, chapter 10, it turns so bad. Leviticus chapter 9, verse 10, this is describing how they are to present the sacrifice. The fat and the kidneys and the lobe of the liver of the sin offering, he then offered up in the smoke on the altar, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Now go to verse 21. But the breast and the right thigh Aaron presented as a wave offering before the Lord, just as Moses, the Lord had commanded Moses. This is all good, okay? And the Lord is bringing blessing on them in chapter 9. And he's bringing judgment on them in chapter 10. The difference is, just as the Lord had commanded, this is the way I want to do it. That brings judgment. That brings judgment. Look at verse 23 of chapter 9. And Moses and Aaron went into the tent of meeting. When they came out and blessed the people, the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. When you're obedient, when your actions and your lives reflect the holiness of God, what happens? Then the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. Then fire came out from before the Lord 
God's fire, consumed the burnt offering, the portions of the fat on the altar. When all the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces. Uh, I bet they did. (laughs) The fire of God comes down, consumes it. What do you do? It's the same thing. An angel appears before you. What's your first response? You know, we see it in the scripture. They fall on their face and the angel says, get up. I'm not God. Get up. Okay, what was their sin? Let's get specific. What was their sin? They were real priests. They were the sons of Aaron. They were ready to do this. But just like the sacrifice of Cain, just like the prayer of the Pharisees in the New Testament, their worship was worship according to their own desire and design. It did not reflect the holiness of God. It did not reflect what God said. They did what they wanted to do. And God said that's not the way that it's done. Their strange fire was really a manifestation of their self and of their self-righteousness. Okay? They got fire from their own source. So instead of glory, they got judgment. Now remember, it says back in Leviticus 16 that this fire about this incense was God's gift. Okay? It was God's gift. And, And... Gee, if we look in the New Testament, God gives us a gift in Ephesians 2, and that's called faith. Okay, it's God's gift. He provided that fire so that they could worship him in the proper fashion. The Lord provides us faith. But you know, there are plenty of people who say, I don't want to do it that way. I know God has laid it out, but I've got a better plan. I've got a better way to make God happy. Is there a way to please God other than the way that he has said. I don't think so. I don't think so. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. You can't offer strange fire to the Lord. You can't say, Lord, I know that you want salvation to be done this way, but I'm going to try it this way. What do you get if you try it this way? You don't get the glory of the Lord, which is here. You get the judgment of the Lord. That's what we get. We say, well, yeah, but but surely the Lord would take my my earnestness and my sincerity. No, he, he doesn't. He takes the blood of Christ. He says, I give you Christ so that you might know forgiveness. Why do you want anything else? He is the perfect sacrifice. Is there anything that we could offer the Lord that would even come close to Christ? No. Holiness, justice, righteousness, truth. These are the things that God delights in. These are the things that God delights in. Let's turn one more place. Romans 9. Romans 9. You can't follow your own form of holiness. You can't follow your own design to get to God. He lays it out. It's, it's, it's really plain. It's really straightforward and simple. He says, this is the way that you can do it. Romans chapter 9. Towards the end, verse 30. 
just like so many throughout every age, Nadab and Abihu wanted to get God, to God on their own terms. Verse 30, what shall we say then? That Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness attained righteousness, even the righteousness which is by faith? Yeah, faith in Christ. But Israel, pursuing the law of righteousness, did not arrive at that law. Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith, but as though it were by works. They stumbled over the stumbling stone, just as it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense, and he who believes in him will not be disappointed. Now a couple verses in chapter 10. Brethren, my heart's desire and my prayer to God for them is for their salvation. I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not in accordance with knowledge. For not knowing about God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own, they did not subject themselves to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. How do you get to their Heavenly Father? Through Jesus Christ. How did Christ come? The Heavenly Father sent him. What did Christ do? He gave his life to atone for our sin. The perfect sacrifice. Leviticus points to the sacrifice and says it has to be perfect. And Christ is the perfect sacrifice for us. What happens after Nadab and Abihu offer this? Fire comes and kills them. And and we won't turn back, but, but it's pretty clear in Leviticus. Their clothes are not touched. Their clothes are not singed, but their bodies are dead. And the people are called to bury them. They said, don't mourn, don't tear your clothes. You can't mourn for those who have done it wrong. They pursued righteousness on their own when the law and the holiness of the Lord was right before them. Now imagine you're Aaron. What do you do? There you are. Your two sons have just been killed by the Lord. Moses tell him, tells him, I'm paraphrasing, Aaron, they did it wrong. The Lord said, this is the way. They did it their own way. This is the consequence. And Aaron goes on. He doesn't mourn. He just continues to serve the Lord. Your friends, what does a perfect God demand from us? He demands perfection, perfect holiness, perfect righteousness, perfect justice. Can any of us attain that? No. So he makes a way for us, makes a way for our sins to be covered. And we know this. This is through Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, what a gift you have given us in Jesus Christ. Again and again in in Scripture it says... Your holiness holiness demands a perfect sacrifice and offering. And that is Christ. And you have made the way. You have given him to us. You have done the work for us. You give us a gift of faith and call us now to believe upon Jesus Christ. Believe with your heart. Confess with your mouth. Jesus Christ is Lord and you will be saved. Come upon us today, Lord that we might believe in Jesus Christ, that we might live lives that reflect your holiness in the way that you prescribe. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.